0: Fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here Pull it on the show It's paranormal Overload with southern hospitality Hard that murder Mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Happy that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two are have Turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy To make sure it all fits in just right Hey Welcome to Hillbilly
1: Horror Story. Now here's your hosts, Jerry and Tracy Paul, and their dog Ninja.
2: Hey guys, it's Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories. You know we always try to turn you guys on to the best paranormal podcasts out there. With that said. Do you like stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained? Then we want you to check out Jim Harold's Campfire. It's definitely one of the best paranormal podcasts out there, and it's on the top of my favorites list. What makes it so great? It's that the concept is pretty simple. Jim just talks to regular people like you and me. They talk about all the strange stuff that happens to them for 90 minutes every week. He doesn't exaggerate or play a lot of spooky music. The stories speak for themselves. These stories cover everything from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and some head-scratchers. For example, there's a story involving serial killer Ted Bundy. There's also a story about an alien abduction that may have been by a reptilian. And there's one young man who encountered an eight-legged demon. That's right, an eight-legged demon. Now, not all these stories are horrifying. Some are heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience, perhaps. I was lucky enough to share my heartwarming story about two bikers who delivered a message to me from my passed-on mother. These stories are true and fascinating and told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. Tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Trust me, it's going to be your new favorite. Hey guys, welcome to episode 294 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry.
1: And I'm Tracy.
2: Tracy what i love you i love
1: you
2: as you hear this episode you guys we're actually going to be in florida so we had recorded early with that being said there won't be any patreons or um, itunes reviews because we're recording this literally right after we recorded last sunday's episode so yeah i did them all
1: we'll get you next week though
2: absolutely so tracy obviously we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world no matter which country you represent. Thanks to all of you men, women, and service animals for everything you do for us.
1: Yeah, extra prayers for you guys. All this crap going on in the world. You're always on our mind, and this is just totally unnecessary. And we just wish you all didn't have to do it. But thank you for watching over us and taking care of the people over there.
2: Makes us appreciate you even more.
1: Absolutely. You guys are our angels. Please stay safe.
2: All right. Tracy, you know, we touch on this every week and and I've actually heard people say, why do you guys have to to talk about depression and stuff every single week? Because it's a problem. It doesn't go away. Unfortunately, I wish we didn't.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel the same way about you.
2: But the bottom line is there are people who are struggling right now for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of those people. Please don't be afraid to reach out. There is no shame in needing to talk about what's going on
1: in your life. Absolutely, guys. We're here for you day and night. Our group is there for you guys day and night. Please don't think it's a burden. Don't think it's, you know, that you're bugging people. It's not that at all. We want you to reach out.
2: Yep, 100%. And like I said, we we, we say this on occasion too, if you're somebody who knows you have a friend or relative that struggles with depression or uh, any other type of mental illness, please pick up the phone and give them a call and check on them. It's, it's you know, you used to hear all the time in the, like in the, when it gets really hot in the summertime to check on your elderly relatives and stuff because it's bad when the heat gets mm-hmm. out. The thing of, about mental illness is it's year-round.
1: Yeah, and honestly, you really shouldn't have to have a reason to check on your friends and neighbors. But you it's tough. Just,
2: I mean, I've got yeah. best friends that I don't talk to all the time, and everybody gets busy in life. So I completely understand it. But, you know, like I said, I know, um, you know, our friend Tanya
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, lost a, a, a nephew today. He was very young. He had a debilitating disease that, or they knew that he was probably not going to make it much older than his teen years. And unfortunately, he's got a sister that's got the same illness yeah, that's, that's a year hard. younger than him. And, As we're recording this, which will actually be last week by the time you guys hear it, but um, he passed away earlier this morning, and I know I talked to Tanya a little bit, and she was very distraught, as you could imagine. Mm -hmm. She's helped take care of these kids for years. Yeah. And it's just, uh, she's going through a tough time, and she needed to talk, and she didn't hesitate to pick up the phone and call me. Yep. And that's what I would prefer. Mm -hmm. Pick up the phone and call somebody if you need to, and I promise you, Nobody's going to look down on you for it. That's the problem is the stigma that people think that it shows weakness or something. It's not weakness. It's called being there. You Mm -hmm. know, like the song Lean On Me says. Yeah. So
1: Absolutely. You guys, please reach out. And if you would rather, you know, call the hotline number, it's 1-800-273-8255. You can text them at seven four one seven four one. 741 741 we love you guys. Just please reach out to us.
2: And of course, for Tanya and your family, we're sorry for your loss.
1: Yeah, we sure are, honey. We love you.
2: All right. So, Tracy, tough transition, but we've talked uh, in recent weeks about us moving to Florida. And we're like I said, we're actually going to be in Florida when you hear this, uh, enjoying a little bit of time with our University of Kentucky Wildcats at the SEC tournament.
1: Yes. Who's so proud of them and the women today. The women,
2: yeah, the women. Thanks recording Just beat the number one team in the country and won their tournament. Yes, awesome. awesome. But one of the cities that we've looked at as a possibly um, city to move to is Sarasota. Now, Sarasota is a little bit further um, down in Florida than what we will probably end up. So it's a little bit bit warmer there, a little bit hotter. But I thought it would be cool to check out some haunted locations in Sarasota because, to be honest with you, We've looked at a lot of places in Florida over the last eight or nine years since we moved back from the Virgin Islands, but Sarasota was a city that I really didn't know about until recently. So I'm going to bounce around on some of these stories because Sarasota is a, a decent-sized city, but it wouldn't be real easy to find big stories. You will find there's some... um similarities in some of these stories as far as some of the people it's like Abraham Lincoln turns up at 15 different places as his ghost oh so you're going to see some of that around here well, as, he got around, as, didn't as, he? as we get into yeah I want to make sure we covered a little bit of everything in here so we're going to talk about everything from Native American spirits to uh, colleges to schools it's all going to be covered in here so I we're think colleges
1: and schools are the same not thing.
2: necessarily high schools I meant that's what I meant to say oh I got you well, and actually, it's not even a; high, it's a; it's like a grade school all the way up to high. But that's neither here nor there. Thanks you for correcting me, though, on air.
1: <laughs> it was my turn. So,
2: so we're going to start with a quick one. This is called. Actually, they're all quick ones. So we're going to start middle and finish with quick ones. <laughs> this is the Florida Studio Theater, and it's actually located inside of Keating Theater, and that's the oldest building that any of the stage companies use in Sarasota.
1: The oldest one, huh?
2: Yep. Richard Hopkins became the executive artistic director at the, uh, we'll call it the FST from this point on, because that's long, in the early 1980s. And he came in after Joe and Marion McKenna saved that building that it resides in. There were plans to actually tear down the building. They were going to make it a parking lot. But this is where Marion McKenna got her very first kiss. So she had a very soft spot in her heart for the place.
1: I just was thinking, couldn't they have done something better than a parking lot?
2: There's a lot of money to be made in parking lots. Haven't you seen that one commercial? Progressive commercial?
1: I have. And I hate that damn song.
2: Which song? Oh. Ugh. She hates the Big Yellow Taxi song by...
1: Stupidest, stupidest... Counting crows. Dumbest, stupidest, ignorant, stupidest, dumbest... Hell yeah, I hate that song. It's a good song. No, it ain't. Don't ever say that again.
2: Anyway, she got her first kiss there, and she thought it would be cool to save. So they ended up buying the place for $100,000 in 1982. And then they leased it to the Florida Studio Theater for free.
1: Well, how nice was that?
2: It would make sense that, you know, there might be a ghost or two. Within uh, a theater like that, so many theaters are haunted because actors tend to be very passionate about their craft. So they like to kind of hang around and keep acting when their days are done.
1: Well, do you think that the uh, ghosts are pissed when somebody knocks the building down that they're in haunting? You know don't what I'm saying? Know, like they've I... demolished it and the ghosts are like, man, come on. Or
2: they could be, I didn't know this outside was there. <laughs> I mean, we could have went over there or been here. Or, <laughs> or they might say, well, this really opens the place up.
1: <laughs> There's so much room for activities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're giddy. <laughs> you shouldn't have
2: took any of those microdose gummies before hey, we started.
1: Hey, don't knock it.
2: You'll find out more about that later. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> hopkins said that there were more than a few spirits when he got there it's funny because it's like nobody before he got there in the 80s ever talked about it being haunted mm-hmm. but then mckenna's by the building he comes in shortly after and then they ask some other people hey is there any ghosts around here I'm like uh no <laughs> but that's because well i'm gonna tell you why
1: well why would you just randomly ask that question anyway well because
2: if you're you would assume older places are haunted. And if you're, I don't know, but a lot but, of people... But like the general person's not going to walk on and ask it, but if somebody who's a paranormal investigator Holy, or that's somebody who's a writer of paranormal stuff comes in and he's doing a book or something, and they would ask, hey, is the place haunted? Because mm. that's how I found this out, because it was a book. Okay. But the guy, the, the gentleman who wrote the book actually asked... uh asked him anyway. <laughs> you always get me so sidetracked. I'm sorry. Anyway, long story short, there's not ghosts there today supposedly, but, as he said, when he first got there, there were all kinds of ghosts and they were mean and hateful, according to him.
1: <laughs> mean and hateful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he didn't say those exact words. That's the way I took it. <laughs> when he first started, he would not work in the theater by himself. He even said that he, they were having instances there every single day. rapping on the wall, tapping in the theater, falling objects, and other mysterious occurrences would happen almost daily. Now, he wasn't the only one scared. No one wanted to be in the theater alone. As a matter of fact, they adopted a buddy system to make sure that no one was ever in the theater by themselves, especially late at night when it was time to lock up after a late night rehearsal. It got so bad that Hopkins and his associate by the name of Kate Alexander took matters into their own hands. Tracy, what do you think they did? I don't know. Well, that took a lot of thought on your behalf. Hmm. They used their own money to hire priests to cleanse the building. Hopkins said that they found some nasty things there and they had to actually come back twice and it took five years before things finally stopped. If they had to come back twice and it took five years, they didn't do a good job.
1: Uh, Either that or them ghosts are stubborn as heck.
2: Apparently in those early days, there were spaces in the building that were unused. And according to these um, priests that came in and tried to either exercise the place or cleanse it or however you want to do it. They said the majority of those spirits were actually in those places that were unused. So it's like they were hiding out in, like that's where they were during the day or something. It's like mm-hmm. that was their, at nighttime, they would clock in and then go <laughs> hunt people. And they also said that most of the spirits were evil. And I hate... I hate when people always just say, oh, these spirits are evil or these are demons, because I don't think that's always the case. I mean, well, probably these, not. I mean, when this guy was talking about the hauntings that was going on, it was knocking on walls and rapping and tapping and things falling. I don't really seem yeah, evil that's, to that's me. That's tame. Yeah, very tame. Anyway, I just, it annoys me that everybody wants to list all these things as evil spirits or so. I just think that's poppycock. Anyway, now we're just going to move to a regular haunted house story. But it involves possible Native Americans. Okay. Lisa and Mike Evans, they live in a house that was built in 1951. It's not that old. No. They like their neighbors, including the three Calusa Native Americans that they believe dance in their backyard.
1: Oh, that's very nice.
2: Yes. They believe that they may have died as long as 5,000 years ago. The Calusas are thought to be the first humans that inhabited Florida. They lived all up and down the Gulf Coast from about 3000 B.C. until the 16th century. They were a highly evolved society that lived mostly on sea life rather than animals on land. Oh. So a lot of fish and stuff like that. right. Fun fact... They actually started the very first Long John Silver restaurant.
1: <laughs> Stop. <laughs>
2: I'm just kidding. It was uh, Red Lobster. Anyways. Yeah. They would actually trade with the Tacusta Toc- Native Americans that were on the Atlantic side of Florida. So True. it's like they would get stuff from that side and oh,
1: okay.
2: trade back and forth because mm-hmm. they were on the Gulf side. By the time Ponce de Leon actually got to Florida in 1513... There were more than 100,000 Native Americans in Florida, and 20,000 of those were the Calusa tribe. They would travel to the Caribbean in huge dugout boats. Think about that. First of all, from where Sarasota is to the Caribbean is a nice little haul.
1: What's a dugout boat?
2: Like where they would take a tree and just... Hollow it out and leave the bottom part of the tree. Look
1: at them being so smart.
2: That's what I'm saying. They were an advanced society. So not only were they doing that, but they were going places that I don't even know how they even knew it existed. hmm Because, I mean, you just get in and just keep going until you find something. I reckon. When you don't know where you're going, then it's not, not like they had Google Maps. Mm-mm. So anyways, they would go, like I said, as far as the Caribbean and do that kind of stuff. They would live on homes that were built on stilts for protection from uh, the high tides. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's genius in its own right.
1: Right. And that's where we got it from, I'm sure. Oh, I'm
2: guarantee. They had religious festivals, and they had these big elaborate ceremonies, which involved dancing and wearing masks of uh, animals and, and other types of people. Not like they didn't cut a wolf's face on them. They had masks made like a wolf. Yeah. The Evanses seem to think that the three that have taken up residence in their home are from the Calusa tribe. And by their home, I mean their backyard. Because they they say that's where they see them at. 20 years after the arrival of European settlers, the Native Americans' population had dwindled to 11,000 in Florida. Remember, it was 100,000. Yeah. And in 20 years, it dwindled all the way down to 11,000. And most of them were Creek Native Americans. Was what? Creek. Oh, Creek. So, what do you think caused the dwindle of population? War? That's one of them.
1: Uh, hungry? No, they wouldn't be hungry. They can get the wrong food. Uh, they quit doing it?
2: <laughs> no. Let me help you with this. Disease brought over from Europe. Oh. Most of these were illnesses and diseases that they had never had here before. The other main cause is they were shipping the Native Americans out of state Reservations. Oh, okay. Now we mentioned there was 11,000 Native Americans in Florida at that time. Less than 70 of the Calusa tribes were left out of that 11,000. Less than 70 70? people. Most of them lived in the Everglades. What remained for many years were the Calusa's middens, M-I-D-D-E-N-S. Before you say something about mittens. (laughs) <laughs> middens.
1: What is middens?
2: Well, these are basically mounds that were trash heaps. So, you you know what a burial mound is? Yes. It's where they would the Native Americans would bury, and then they would build up a little hill over top of them. Mm-hmm. And if you dug past that hill, then you would get the bottom mm-hmm. or the bodies to the, uh, the well. They did the same thing with their trash. Now, the thing, there were also burial mounds, by the way, but these, um. Were primarily made up of seashells and broken pottery, so it's like if they broke pottery, they would take it there. But instead of just throwing stuff wherever, yeah, they had like a central place to take their trash, a heap. But yes, but their trash was primarily just seashells from where they got their cooking, mm-hmm. and
1: well, that's the, nice though, and stuff
2: that they broke, which was like pottery and stuff. Yeah, so they would put all that stuff there, and then they would mm-hmm. eventually cover it up with dirt. Like I said, there was also burial mounds too. Uh, But most of those, unfortunately, were bulldozed over when it was time to build new construction in Florida Mm -hmm. as a group. There are a few left today. Uh, For example, they're at India Mound Park, and there's some at a place called Spanish Point. As a matter of fact, in Spanish Point, they have a midden there, and part of it is cut away, so you can actually look into it and see what's there.
1: Oh, that's cool.
2: Yeah, that would be cool. So back to the Evans house. Lisa said that she's sure that these three Native Americans are Calusa because she has seen plenty of artifacts and pictures in museums Mm -hmm. to know how they would be dressed and stuff like that. She thinks that her home was actually built on a midden because she has seen a lot of stuff there, like when she's digging in the yard. For stuff she comes across a lot of shells and stuff that shouldn't be there unless it was part of a midden.
1: well that's a nice find
2: yeah so if that's the case that means that it would have the mounds would have been knocked down when Uh they built the subdivision she said even though she's found a bunch of shells and stuff like that she's never found any bones that's why she thinks it may have been a midden and not a does
1: she just leave the shells in there
2: oh i don't know what she does with them She said that the three Native Americans dance around in her backyard. She and her neighbors have seen them. It's as if they are protecting something or someone. And according to Calusa legend, their people possess three souls. One soul is the pupil of the eye. The second is a person's shadow. And the last is the mirror image. They believe that one of these souls would always stay with the body after death. Aw, I like that. Tracy, would it surprise you to learn that oldest private school in Sarasota has one of the town's oldest ghosts? No. I didn't think it would, but I felt the need to ask anyway. (laughs) The Out of Door Academy, which was founded in 1924 is where this story comes from. It was initially a progressive day and residential school for boys and girls ages 3 to 16 years old. Today it's a college prep school. And there's these beautiful tall banyan trees that kind of shelter the historic building on campus. The upper school students now attend the school's new Lakewood Road campus. That campus opened in 2001. So just who is this ghost? Well, it's believed that he was a horse trainer that stayed on the old campus. The spirit can often be heard talking to horses. There have been reports of hearing horses trotting along the street late at night when no one's out there and no sign of horses. So there's not a lot to go with that one. But
1: Mm
2: -hmm. While we're on the subject of schools, let's talk about New College. This tale was passed on by a professor at New College. New College is a liberal arts school, and it sits just south of the Ringley Museum Complex. Here's a fun fact for you. Some some of you might know this already, but I didn't. For 30 years, Ringley Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus was based out of Sarasota, Florida. No clue. But let's get back to New College. It was founded in 1960 as a private college for an academically gifted students. In 1975, it became part of the state of Florida system. It's been named one of the best bargains in higher learning by Businessweek and Money magazines. Good for them. Part of the new college campus was originally the Capels Estate. That's the smallest estate in the museum area. Apparently right there, there's a bunch of museums. You've got the Ringley Brothers Museum and all that is right there together. And uh, this was one of them. It belonged to Ralph and Ellen Caples. Now most people think Ralph is the one that haunts the school. He actually worked for the railroad when he arrived in Sarasota in 1899 with his wife, and he loved it so much he decided to stay. By 1909, the city was growing, and so was he, at least financially. I don't know if he could be getting bigger or fat. I don't know. (laughs) But financially.
1: It's growing. Yeah.
2: He was growing. (laughs) He kept buying land to promote the resort town because Sarasota was really starting to take off. It's Mm -hmm. a beautiful place. Actually, I watched a video the other day that said it was uh, that listed the top 25 places in Florida to retire. And they listed Sarasota as number one. Nice. It was actually he and Charles Thorpe who persuaded John and Charles Ringling to come to Sarasota in 1901. Ralph Caples died in 1949, but his wife lived there in that uh, mansion until she died in 1971. That's 22 years later. I was going to say,
1: that's a long time after. Shoot.
2: But I don't know how old he was. He might have been fairly, long, fairly young. He might have been in his 50s or something. Anyway, the property was then deeded over to New College after she died. The Ringling Estate is right next to this property. And it eventually became part of the University of South Florida, which is based out of Tampa. So even in death, there's a connection between Ringling and uh, Cable. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. Most of the sightings at New College happen late at night. There is movement in the halls, and there's often a the sound of a piano playing. One night, the campus police heard the piano playing, and they decided to check it out. But the piano seemed to be playing all by itself. There also may be another ghost at the college. A female student was walking by the former home one night, and she saw a man up on a balcony, and he asked why she was there. Oh, and John Ringley, we talked about him. He does some haunting, too, apparently. Well, wait,
1: did she answer him?
2: No, she just kept walking. (laughs) Rude. But there shouldn't have been anybody there. That's a museum. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, but yeah, John Ringling, like you said, well, he's kind of like Abraham Lincoln. He apparently haunts everything, but he can often be seen at the John and Mabel Ringling Museum of Art. That's very cool. So that was most of the places that I had found that were haunted in Sarasota.
1: There you go. So, yeah. Just haunting here and there, ain't there?
2: <laughs> you, gotta <be> <laughs> you gotta be haunting
1: something. You gotta be haunting something. gotta be haunting something. What?
2: Nothing, i just watching in amazement
1: because you're jelly
2: yeah all right guys that's that story and i don't think I, did i mention at the beginning no i didn't well why didn't you make i, I wrote it down
1: i can't do everything for you
2: oh, whatever <laughs> anyways we have another awesome interview from a podcast called the real haunting podcast noah comes on and i keep saying this but I keep finding these podcasters that have the most awesome stories. Mm-hmm. And trust me when you hear this, he is an awesome, awesome storyteller. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: You're so, gonna, yeah.
2: You're going to enjoy it. Good. Whatever.
1: Excited. You so. keep putting all these awesome podcasters on here and we're going to lose our fan base.
2: No, there's plenty of room for everybody. <laughs> Rising tide raises all ships. That's whatever. right. Anyways. Let's. Uh, we don't have the iTunes and stuff today. I do want to do a quick mention. Obviously, we've got the live events that are coming up rapidly. We're like a Rapid month away from
1: the little way. show. I know. I'm so excited about that.
2: So we need to to go ahead and, and go check out all the shows we got going on.
1: Come get all you of some our new
2: merchandise. My book. All that can be found at dot Go check it out. Check so, it out. Yeah. So right now, let's take a quick. Sponsor break, and then we're going to be back with Noah. Hey guys, it's Jerry here, and let's be honest. True crime is actually huge in the podcast and on television, just because you never get tired of a, of a good whodunit, am I right? If you're one of those type of people, you're going to love June's Journey. You get to play as June Parker. Now, she's an amateur detective. She's investigating a series of mysteries. It's full of twists, turns, all around every corner. You'll put your powers of observation to the test and sharpen your sleuthing skills and relish the thrill of actually solving the case. So let's be honest, whether you're craving a good mystery or you just need to kind of get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. So you're going to sit back, relax, and let your inner Sherlock escape to the glamorous Roaring Twenties. You'll search for hidden clues to solve mystery after mystery across thousands of vivid scenes. And with new chapters every week, there's always a new case waiting to be cracked. Guys, I love playing June's Journey. It's just one of those things that once you start, it's hard to stop because you get so emerged in the game. It's fantastic. I love usually to play late at night. It's a good relaxation tool for me as I'm getting ready to go to bed. Sometimes I've got a thousand things going through my mind. And if I just try to lay in bed, I'm not going to sleep. I'm just laying there thinking about the same things I thought about for the past 10 hours. June's Journey is fantastic for me because it takes my mind completely away from what I was doing. And like I said, you get submerged in the game. And before you know it, you're relaxed and you're ready to go to bed. Guys, there is definitely a detective in all of us. So find your inner detective. Download June's journey free today on the Apple store or Google play. Hey guys, you know, we always like to bring you the uh, best podcast out there when we find out about them. And one that I've really been enjoying lately is the real hauntings podcast. And uh, I've got one of the hosts on with me,
0: Noah Daniels. Noah, thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, Jerry. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always nice to meet other people in the paranormal podcasting community. I feel like while I think every podcast genre has a ton of podcasts, I think there is a, you know, select five or eight podcasts that are really engaging and doing this platform the right way and was really excited to get to talk to you today. I was going to say, I guess you couldn't get on any of those shows, so uh, you'll get on this one. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, Noah, Noah if, if somebody out there hasn't heard your podcast, Real Hauntings podcast, tell them what they would expect to hear. Give give me your best, in a nutshell, description of your podcast.
0: Sure. So I think there's a couple of things that set us apart from other paranormal podcasts. We So there's three of us. It's me, Noah. JJ and Kat. And when we got together and wanted to create this podcast, it was probably about six months before the pandemic. We were all doing improv together at the time. We're all comedians and we wanted to do something. And I've always been interested in the paranormal, but even more than that, I have always been afraid to die. I mean, just being honest. And (laughs) so being able to Investigate the paranormal in our way, which is just sitting behind a microphone, (laughs) and bringing people on to talk about it Um, seemed like a really fun idea. Now the one thing that kind of separates us from other podcasts is we're all skeptics. Now we're skeptics at varying levels. And when people listen to the podcast, one fun thing, because we have about 150 episodes out at this point, is they hear the journey of our skepticism. Kat and I were probably or were definitely less skeptical than JJ. He's very science minded, um, very skeptical of anything paranormal, anything religion. And you see kind of our journey take off from there. And especially in the early days of the podcast, we're always Updating the audience, like where are we on the scale of believing ghosts are real? Zero meaning ghosts don't exist, 10 meaning ghosts are absolutely real. Um, we now call that the Believo meter. Um, but it's really took off. You know, for me, I'm basically a believer at this point. I still hold on to some skepticism because I think that's just human nature. Um, and JJ, is willing to kind of admit that it might be real at this point. And Kat kind of jumps around kind of depending on on the, the story we have and how influence, influential it is. Um, but I think that's one of the things that's kind of fun for an audience is we're not diving right in, you know, saying, hey, this is real, this is real. But we we are skeptics that want to believe. So it's it's not like we're criticizing our guest or coming at it from a negative way. Um, We try to be very engaging and give our guests a safe place to talk about what they experience. And I think that's something that our audience really connects with. We also bring on a lot of our audience because I think just naturally the people that are going to listen to these types of podcasts are people that have experienced the paranormal. Um, So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we've done. I would say something our podcast kind of got known for. So we had a 19-year-old medium on, her name is Amanda Ray. She blew up on TikTok, not intending to blow up on TikTok. She just randomly one day shared a story from her childhood about this demon uh, that kind of haunted her and tried to possess her as a child. And this isn't, you know, not to typecast anybody, but if you saw this person, you would never guess like, oh my gosh, they, their life revolved around the supernatural you just would have no idea right and it got to the point where her parents uh, tried to have an exorcism they even went as far to steal holy water from the church and the demon uh, well so she walked up to her mom one day and I think she was like maybe five or six and she walked up to her mom one day and her mom was googling how to perform an exorcism, you know, how to contact the Catholic church. And she just walked right up to her mom, not being able to see the computer screen and was like, it's not going to work. It's (laughs) not going to The exorcism. Isn't going to work, which I think is the name of the episode. But anyway, it's, it's a fascinating story. She's such a medium. It's to the point where she sees full apparitions that look like normal people. So she will literally open the door for a ghost and people will be like, what are you doing? And she, believes that she sees a person walking through the door so at the end of the episode cat is really good about asking mediums well have you felt anything during this episode about us have you seen anything and sometimes they you know have thoughts to give us sometimes they don't but amanda said well this whole episode there's been an old lady between you and jj and so she starts describing the old lady she's a smoker she's got a robe on and cat kind of says it sounds like her grandmother." So that's all you know, it is what it is, whatever. It's great content. We're kind of like, wow, that that was really interesting. Um, Amanda's a friend of the show now, but we start getting a rush of messages from our fans, emails, Instagram messages saying, if you listen to the podcast, when she says that you can hear a woman's whispery voice bleed through the podcast. Now, I edit all the episodes. I didn't hear it in editing the first time through, which isn't a super big surprise because I usually edit uh, really late at night because of my work schedule. (laughs) I may, you know, so I just missed it. And all of us went back and we're like, yeah, that does sound like a whispery woman's voice. But, you know, we're recording over Zoom. We all kind of just go, it's probably an anomaly, right? Just some kind of weird thing that happened. But it's interesting. So, of course, we put it out to our fans. Fast forward, uh, we have J.J.'s brother on who is like, whereas we're nice, his brother was like kind of a jerk skeptic, I'll say. And it was just us. We didn't have any guests on. You losers. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was just kind of a funny thing to watch them battle back and forth and whatever. So we tell him, hey, we had this thing happen on the podcast where this voice came through and we played it for him. And he's again, you know, he's like, you guys are stupid, whatever. So. In editing, I heard that time, the voice came back through and it was similar. Uh, It wasn't the same exact like wave file, but you could tell that whatever it was, it was the same thing, right? Okay. So that's weird. That's two times. Fast forward, we have a fan on who's talking about her house is haunted and she inherited um, like a a chest uh, drawer set that is haunted. Um, I don't remember the exact story. But anyway, she brings up the voice in the podcast and I'm um, interviewing her with Kat and JJ, but I'm asking her questions and I just see Kat and JJ stop and look at each other. And, you know, I'm trying to conduct traffic and I'm like, what, what are they doing? They're messing up the flow of the podcast because then the guest is like me and the guest both, right? What, what are y'all doing? They heard the voice out loud in their room and <laughs> JJ's whole shtick up to that point was well i want to experience something everybody gets these experiences i never get an experience and almost immediately he was like i don't want to experience anything after that um and and that one did come through the podcast again and i can play i've got a super clip of those noises that i can play before we get out of here if you want to hear it but um so that's kind of one thing i guess that is kind of stuck with our podcast I don't necessarily look for that noise anymore because it has come through so many times. And, you know, I hate to admit this to fans, but I mean, they'll message us and be like, Hey, a minute, you know, 22, uh, you hear it again. I don't even really go back to pull it anymore because I, yes, I do agree that there's something there. And I, I mean, content wise, I hope it's a ghost, but I don't know what it is, but I don't want to make it get to the point where it's like hokey that we're trying to push that through is like right. listen to our podcast because you hear this noise for me it's like if it's there it's there if it's not it's not but as somebody who edits the podcast I mean the first time I heard that I I edit with like Bose headphones on so I can really hear I threw my headphones like off and it immediately <laughs> just sent chills through my body um, so that's kind of a crazy thing You know, I've had a couple episodes. Most of my um, co-hosts that I bring on that aren't Cat and JJ when they need a break or they're out of town, most of them are medium psychics that I've really enjoyed interviewing because that's a lane of the paranormal that interests me the most because they they're kind of like X Men. It's like having these (laughs) magical powers seems so cool to me, and it's also something that you can almost test in real time. Whereas, like you know, usually we're just hearing stories you know, firsthand, but we're not actually there to experience the haunting. But we had one, uh, I think it was an episode we released last week. And I had uh, Catherine as a psychic medium who helps us a lot. And this was the first time I'd ever seen anything like this. And it takes a lot now for me to kind of get blown away or my jaw to drop. But the guest had been through a lot of trauma. Uh, she had lost a lot of family members. And she was talking about her dad who passed away and how she could never connect with her dad. And we we're listening and interviewing. And out of nowhere, Catherine is just like, was he a heavy drinker? Did he drink a lot of beer? And you could just see the guest face get like really puzzled. And she's like, yeah. Uh, Absolutely, and she was like, "Well, would he crush the cans with like one hand?" I'm hearing a crushing sound, and she was like, "Yeah," and she starts to cry, Um, and and it just went further from there, and it was just like everything she said was so specific and spot on that it brought the guests to tears. I've never seen anything like that. Usually, it's like stuff that's you know people can agree with, but they're like, maybe, maybe not. Um, but, but that was kind of crazy for me. Um, but I guess the way I got into all this, other than just starting the podcast, I had an experience and, uh, we can go into this later, but I had an experience as a kid that still to this day in my mind's eye, I can see it all play out, but you know, I still have some skepticism because as a comedian, as a storyteller, I understand that you can tell a story so many times that your brain will literally kind of piece together its own parts of the puzzle. So it's, it's hard to say with a hundred percent certainty. Yes, this is real. This is what I experienced, except the fact that it was experienced with three other people until this day, they all say they saw the same thing. So that's, that's kind of um, where I go in from the paranormal, I guess. Sorry, that was a bit long winded, but as you can tell, I like to talk. So
2: That's okay. So let's talk about this real quick because I, I find this interesting and you approached your skepticism almost like it's a negative. You're like, you don't want to offend people who are true believers, but I don't find being a skeptic as being a negative at all, because you've had an experience, but you're mm-hmm. so skeptical. It just right. basically means that you believe that there's stuff out there, but you, you, but you can't believe that everything that happens is paranormal. There can be, there might be ten instances of what somebody thinks is a paranormal instance, and maybe nine of them have a rational explanation. You know, I, this is going to sound stupid, comparatively speaking, but my wife, for the past week, has been saying your Bluetooth speaker upstairs kept me awake all night because it kept making that uh, like a doo doo doo, like a like a connection sound, and I'm like, it can't be because that one that I use. It stays connected all night long because, and it doesn't make that noise. That's not the noise it makes when it connects. Hmm. And she's like, well, the next day she's like, I heard it again. And it was during the day and I wasn't home. And I'm like, it hadn't even been turned on today. Well, probably 30 minutes before this interview, we're sitting in the living room watching a ball game. And she's like, I just heard it again. I heard it twice. I'm like, I didn't hear anything. And then she turns the TV down And she said, wait a minute, we've got two Bluetooth speakers that are shaped like rocks out on our back deck, which is right next to the living room. She said, could it be those? And I started thinking, I'm like, well, I mean, I looked, my Bluetooth wasn't connected and she's not set up for it. It's just mine. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it does kind of make a similar noise, but I'm not hooked up to it. My Bluetooth's not on. So I went outside, I unplugged them. I plugged them back in and it made that noise. And she said, that's what it is. But for but up until that time, she was convinced it was something different. Or now she doesn't talk herself into she's hearing stuff. But (laughs) it turned out to be something very rational. It was just for whatever reason, those things must have been powering herself off and on. And instead of just staying on all the time. And that's what she heard. And I think a lot of these cases,
0: there can be an explanation like that. And, yeah, and, you know, so it's OK to be skeptical. And I think that's why it's so exciting. And you probably feel the same way when you get some kind of tangible evidence, whether it's a video, a recording file or a picture. Even then, though, you have to worry about bad actors, because, I mean, you know, I mean, as, as a podcaster, we're talking to a lot of people and you're probably intuitive as well. And there are just some people. You know, and I won't throw any names out there because we have been fortunate to interview a lot of people in the space. But it's just some people right off the bat, you know, they're not being truthful with what's happening. And you can kind of look at their overall work and you're just like, yeah, they're. it's just, you know, congratulations on your hustle. But that's that's not the thing. And there was an individual and I won't say their name, but they were garnering a lot of attention on TikTok. And so I found them on Instagram, invited them on the podcast, and immediately they were just like, "Oh, that's uh, CGI effects. I work for a studio, and I've just been putting these videos out acting like they're real." And I was like, "Okay, well, thanks for the honesty. Please stay,
2: please stay up front."
0: I know. So it's um that's the other part that makes me skeptic as well. I guess because you just it's hard for me to trust everybody, but that's also why I love having. A platform where I can interview people and kind of get a vibe check on them, and I think that's also the nice thing about interviewing so many fans that don't have any social media clout, um, aren't in this to get clicks or follows or anything like that, because those I tend to believe a lot more because they just want to share their story, they just want to be heard, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think being a skeptic is an asset. You're right. But at the same time, it seems, seems so much fun just to be a hundred percent believer. You know, I think I, just in anything, I don't know if there's anything that I believe a hundred percent in. Um, but yeah, yeah,
2: but it also as a podcaster, if you're, if you're interviewing somebody and you ask the right questions, like, Hey, did you check this? Or did you check that? That comes across a lot better listening. Then if you're just, a, you know, oh, my God, then what a, a ghost pooped in your face? What? Right. And then what? And then what? And why he had diarrhea? You know, you just that just doesn't come across good to the listeners, either. If you wholeheartedly agree with everything that's being said. So if we were 100 percent believers in everything, that's the way it would probably come across. So
0: although if a ghost did poop in my face, I probably would be a 100 percent believer. I think at that point, <laughs> yeah, you'd be shit faced.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> But um, yeah, so you want me to tell my story?
2: Yes, yes. We we've, we've went all around the, the uh, angles here with the skepticism and stuff. So yes, now let's hear the
0: story. Sure. So I was 10, between 10 and 12, and I grew up in Mississippi. I had a friend who, his family had a, a, just a giant house. It took up the entire block in this small town, a town of about 15,000 people. And it was always rumored that the house was haunted. Um, As you can imagine, an uh, antebellum mansion in Mississippi probably has uh, uh, some dark history to it. Probably so. Um, One interesting fact about this house, it had an elevator in it. And in the middle of the night, it would turn on, go up the stairs and open and close and go back down. You know, was that just a malfunction, a ghost? I don't know, but it was it scared us as children. So my friend uh, had a younger sister and an older sister. The younger sister was maybe like two years younger than us, and she had a friend over. So we would play hide-and-go-seek, but the kind of hide-and-go-seek we would play, we'd go into his room, his bedroom, which was really big, turn off all the lights. Uh, there was no light that could enter. It was nighttime, so completely pitch black dark whoever was it would count to whatever and everybody else would hide. Now in this version of hide and seek, you could, there was no base. The point was just to find them. Right. So you had to find everybody last person. uh, You know, you find, was it, or maybe the first person, I don't know, but anyway, so you had to find everybody. So I was it. I go in trying to find them, you know, looking under the bed and the closets. And then I see one of them take off running across the room. And I remember yelling out like, aha, because you couldn't do that. That was cheating. And so I, I was going to be a jerk and like tag them really hard um, because I, I thought it was uh, my my friend. And then my hand went through him or what I thought was him. And it, it's just so crazy. I, I just I can almost feel it right now as I tell the story. And then as I did that, the head of this thing turned and looked at me and it had like these red reflective eyes. Um, the closest thing I can describe it to would be like a Jawa from Star Wars. That was kind of the how I remember it. So I scream, everybody in the room screams. We all run out of the room and we go to what we called their playroom. We turned on all the lights and we all just sat in silence for what felt like an hour. Now I don't know how long we actually sat in silence, but it it felt like an hour and we just, we just sat there and nobody talked about it. And then years later, before I started the podcast, my friend would, um, I am in Atlanta, we're all in Atlanta. Um, my friend would come up and he still does. We'll go to a concert once every couple of years. And we were going to see Metallica and I asked him, I was just like, Hey, do you remember from when we were kids? And before I could finish, he was like the ghost and I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, I talk about it all the time. He's like, craziest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, okay. So I mean, that, on one hand, that makes me think, okay, I did experience that. On the other hand, I'm like, are you really going to believe you put your hand through a ghost and it turned and looked at you? You know, because I, and, and I've thought about this a lot because I have been able to interview people with a ton of stories and we'll hear the craziest stories and people will tell us that there are six on the Believo meter, And I'm like, how can you be a six? And you're telling me that, you know, you saw this winged demon in your yard, uh, <laughs> that 20 years later, your brother got a tattoo of like how, how, you know, so I think part of it, or I think a big part of it is if I go and say, yes, I'm a 10. Yes. That absolutely happened then what else am I opening the door to mentally to believe in? Like how slippery is that slope for me? Because if if I'm saying this ghost thing went in and I was able to put my hand through it, I feel like it's going to be hard for me to say that anything isn't real at that point. Now, that's not the most logical way to look at it, but that's kind of the conclusion I've come to as to why I can't 100% say this story that other people remember as well is 100% true. I think though as time goes on you you know cuz
2: i mean it just it's it's scientific proof that people can misremember stuff years mm-hmm. later so you can also do it in reverse and I, I was having a conversation with my dad the other day about a building and i i swore up and down it used to be a ponderosa restaurant and i've been there i don't know how many times and my dad kept saying no it wouldn't no it wouldn't and i was questioning myself by the time, you know, because we would, this would have been 20 some years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started questioning myself and I'm like, well, maybe. And then I had to grab hold and like, no, I know for damn sure it was a Ponderosa restaurant. But that's what happens when you get some time and stuff. It's easy to start talking yourself out of stuff as it is talking yourself into stuff.
0: Yeah. And the other stuff, I, it's this smaller stuff. I, during a lightning storm or a thunderstorm, when I was young, I woke up in the middle of the night. And I saw this woman's face projected above me. It was, she was much, it felt like she was much bigger than me. And it was as if she was like screaming down in my face. Now I've since read that when you're startled and woken up like that, especially if it's like, as the lightning flashes, your brain can kind of create imagery um, because you're still in REM sleep. And then I have also had um, a history sleep paralysis and night terrors for me it's i i see a a a big spider drop down from the ceiling hasn't happened in a while i kind of realized that it was associated with anxiety um but it would happen so frequently in my early 20s that i wouldn't at first i would throw myself out of the bed once i was able to wake up but then it just got to the point where i i would just be like you're not real and i just go back to sleep like i was like there's there's no giant spider dropping down (laughs) On my face
2: do you have a fear of spiders
0: yeah I, I think that's safe to say I mean it's something I've tried to overcome uh I ate a grasshopper uh, in a comedy show not too long ago it was cooked from a bag but I made sure to really look it in the face before I ate it I was like I'm gonna go over this fear of bugs and it was <laughs> terrible I could feel its legs uh in my throat and uh yeah wouldn't recommend it but yeah for sure snakes spiders, uh, not a huge fan. Um, But that's kind of the gamut of my supernatural. I've also had some premonition stuff, deja vu stuff that I can't explain. Some basic stuff that I think we all experience. I was listening to the radio the other day and they were saying, what are some things that your partner or spouse says that really bothers you or triggers you or whatever? And it's for me. It's when my wife calls me, dude. <laughs> Just like what? Not dude. What? <laughs> um, so I was, I had that thought come into my mind, and and like literally, one second later, the lady on the radio was like, "Oh, it's when I call my husband, dude." And that's weird. You know, I can't explain. It, it, you know, it's happenstance. It's whatever. But it's it, that's a weird thing. And then with my old job, I would sometimes. I I would be put in these high stress pressure situations and it was almost like I would see myself from third person and I my brain would be like they're going to say this you're going to say this and it would start to kind of unfold like that that only happened a couple times and then just like dream premonition stuff that's weird and my dad my family's like pretty conservative not you know believing in ghosts type people and and one day I asked my dad because he's getting older I was like hey you ever have any of this premonition deja vu stuff And he just kind of sighed. And he was like, my entire life, I've been dealing with it. And that kind of blew me away. He told me that my sister was in a car wreck. And right before the phone rang, he said, oh, my daughter's been in a car wreck. She was fine. But, you know, it's like little weird stuff like that. The weirdest, though, is my mom had a dream that her cousin was in a car wreck with his three kids and his wife and that the wife died on Christmas Eve. And uh, she woke up that morning crying, phone rings, and they're like, Hey, your cousin was in a wreck and his wife died. Like she literally had told us about her dream. And then the phone rang. So you know, there's things out there I don't think we can explain. I like the deja vu premonition stuff because a lot of us have had that i mean that's just mm-hmm. especially deja vu so i think that's always a good place to start in the supernatural if somebody says they 100% don't believe because for me that's a hard one to just explain away and it's such a shared experience it's, and like the most common common one is like oh, i haven't talked to mom in a while and then the phone rings or i haven't heard this yeah. song on the radio in a while and then the you know the song comes on so that stuff really interests me a lot and i guess that's why i interview so many psychic and mediums cuz I like to kind of dig in on what that is, you know.
2: I've told this story before on the, on the show, but it's been a long time ago. We were talking to uh, uh, a medium uh, by the name of Chantel out of Florida that hosted a show called The Medium Matters. And I was talking to her about something random. I had a, a, a friend of the shows who lost his uh, a seven-year-old daughter in a tragic accident. And he asked if I knew a medium. And I talked to her before, and she's somebody that I've trusted. I don't trust all mediums, but I trusted her. And uh, as I was talking to her uh, about some random stuff to, to try to set this up, she apparently saw something, even though it was just on the phone. She's, you know, similar to your, the psychic you talked to earlier. And the next time I talked to her, she like, you the other day when I was talking to you, she said there was a woman there. She said she was about 60-ish, short, curly hair. She had on a black dress, and she had on a strand of pearls, white pearls. And she said she had horn rimmed glasses. Does that mean anything to you? I'm like, no. It don't mean anything to me. And uh, we start talking about something else, and then it hits me. I had a great-grandmother that passed away, when I was like five. And I vaguely, vaguely remember anything about her, but... My father has a picture of her hanging up. She's wired horn grim glasses, a black dress with a strand of white pearls. Mm. So the next time I go over the house, I take a picture. And I told her on the phone when I said, wait a minute. And I said, my great grandmother, who I barely knew was like this. Well, I went over to my dad's house about a week later. I snapped a picture of it and I just texted her, just texted a picture. Nothing else. And she wrote back, oh, my God, that's exactly who I saw. And Wow. It's just now you can give descriptions of people and might be vague enough to right. say, well, that could be anybody. This was dead on from the age to the type of dress to the there's not a lot of pictures that people have of a woman in a black dress wearing white pearls. That's yeah. not common. Yeah. But she nailed it completely to what this woman looked like. So, yeah, yeah
0: it's, it's amazing. amazing. To me, that's the most fun. That kind of stuff is the most fun on the on the podcast. You know, those moments where you get to have an aha moment, especially, you know, like you've you've done a ton of these episodes, and to still get moments like that, I think is, you know, at least for me, is why I keep doing it because it's, it's there's just so much to explore um, within the paranormal field. But yeah, it's um, it's been a lot of fun. It's something that I hope to keep doing for a while. I don't see us stopping anytime soon i'm was telling you before we started recording i'm i've got some friends of the show that are going to start releasing their own episodes within our network and i'm kind of hoping that that starts the next chapter of real hauntings Um, because one thing we do get from our fans is they want more content and uh you know it's it's a compliment right i mean it's it's better than them telling you they want less content (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I'm I'm trying to find creative ways to do that. That's uh, the way we started out. We were doing every week and our listeners were like, hey, can you guys go
2: to every two weeks instead? Uh, I guess we
0: can. That's funny.
2: Uh, um, So let's end on this question. You've been doing this now a couple of years. Yeah. You got damn near half a million downloads, which is phenomenal. Thank you. What has has your perspective changed on your skepticism from when you started to now? Are you more of a believer now or about the same as you were?
0: Yeah. So when I started, I would say I was probably like a four or five on that, what we call the believometer scale, uh, which I think was coined by Jojo Wright. But now I would say I'm an easy eight um, at times a 10. Even I I have fans that will email in and they'll just be like, Oh, cut the shit. Noah, just tell us you're a 10. We know you're a (laughs) ten at this point. Uh, And they're right. I mean, at times I am, I think if everybody was a hundred percent truthful in the field, it would make it a lot easier to make that determination. But because it is hard to 100% nail down what is real and what isn't, that's why my gauge kind of goes from an eight to a 10. But gun to my head, I would say there's something to the paranormal. It's just I've heard too much. I've seen too much. Some things I've seen in real time during episodes that we can't explain. And that's always kind of weird. I mean, we had a lady who brought in a recording where um, her daughter, who was like two or three, took her phone, which I totally get. I got a two-year-old. My kid does this all the time and she was recording the kid at the time and the, and her daughter takes off running down the hallway and you hear her daughter stop and she, i don't remember exactly what she said but it was something on the lines of be, her daughter was like what and then you're <laughs> no <laughs> what <laughs> I mean, and stuff like that. I mean, this woman was like a author from Miami that had nothing to do with the paranormal. She just listened to the podcast and was like, "Yeah, I want to come share the story." And I can't explain that. I 100% believe that she did not doctor that, you know, that that was the real true copy of what happened. And yeah, it sounded like her daughter was talking to something spooky, you know. So that stuff and then just seeing these mediums pull things out that I can't explain. Um, And then the stuff that I've experienced in my my own life. And, and as you know, I mean, it's, it's also a quantity thing. I mean, you just, you hear so many week after week, after week, after week, after week, I think anything you do of that nature, even if you were skeptical going in, if you are bringing on trustworthy people that you also like as human beings, um, you're not going to say you're a liar. You know, right. So, I mean, if, I, if
2: nothing else, they truly believe that that's what they yes. saw, even if it wasn't.
0: And that's and that's how it started out for me. I would we used to do these wrap ups after episodes and, and really try to dive into what we believe and what we don't. And I would always, a lot of times I would say I 100 percent believe that they 100 percent believe the story they just told us. But then it started to get where we would bring people on and they'd be like, oh, my mom was there. And we would say, well, can we call them? and they'd be like uh i i guess yeah and their mom <laughs> had no idea that we were about to call them and then their mom would corroborate the entire story you know so there's something to it i think when things get really grandiose that's when i'm a little less likely to believe um but but yeah i would say gun to my head i'm a believer you know um i still have some skepticism and it can still change i don't put myself hundred percent in any camp but but yeah more more likely to be a believer than not for sure
2: awesome we're talking to noah from the real hauntings podcast and that's just real hauntings i keep throwing the d in there but if you try to look it up that way
0: yeah so for the algorithm back in the early days before we were getting picked up just because of our volume so the name of it is um Uh, real hauntings, real ghost stories is technically the name, but we always just go by real hauntings for short. Cause I think at this point you can pretty much search that and and it'll come up and you'll know it's us. Yeah. And you'll know it's us because you'll see this cute little ghost pop up with a blue background with headphones on. My wife designed it a long time ago. It kind of looks like the Snapchat ghost. Um, but, uh, (laughs) that's the easy way to identify us. And yeah, if, if you're listening to this and, and you dig some of my stories, give it a listen. I promise you the people that come on and tell their stories are much better than I am. And I'm probably a better interviewer than I am a guest, but I appreciate you letting me come on and, and share. And we would love to get you on, even if, if nothing else, just maybe you co-host an episode and I can uh, parade through some, some interesting people and, and uh, you can see what you think about these real hauntings guests. Now I have no problem coming on. It'd uh, be an honor actually. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Jerry. And uh, I love your podcast and everything you guys are doing. It's, it's inspirational to see the content you all put out. And I've got some plans, hopefully when this pandemic settles down that I think uh, we will all enjoy maybe doing some conventions and stuff. I'm starting to kind of tie those networks together. So I'm sure we will be in touch uh, more in the future.
2: Well, we we always do stuff and uh, we like to do stuff in St. Augustine or something. And we're close enough to you to where maybe we can hook up and I'll do a live event together. So,
0: yeah, awesome. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for having me on. All
2: right. Thanks, Noah. See, Tracy, I told you that was going to be a fun one.
1: It was fun.
2: So anyways, go check their podcast out. I think you'll really enjoy it. And we just want to say how much we thank and appreciate you guys every single week for sticking with us for as long as you have. It's been Some of you have been with us for almost six years now.
1: I know. We are very blessed and very thankful for you guys. You're amazing.
2: Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, be safe out there.
1: Yeah, have a blessed week. Love you.